Hey, welcome to Sober Not Sane. I'm your host, Jeb Fink. Remember, you, this is what you got to do. We need to thank Liz from the camera store. She helps us out with the equipment here first off. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, like us, uh, love us. Is there a love us button on YouTube? There should be. Uh, listen to us on uh, Spotify and Apple Play. So uh, this, uh, you know what? We, we have like a very eclectic group of uh, people that we interview on here. And uh, you may be the guy that's come the furthest, so to speak. <laughs> this is, uh, it's Felipe. Yes, sir. Felipe uh, Lete. And you are from Brazil. Yes, sir. And you rode a horse here. Not tonight. <laughs> Not but... tonight. Minus 25 tonight in Calgary, might I it's add. It's colder than that in my car. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Mine was like minus 27. <laughs> Insane. But... And this, you were saying it's your first winter here for you and your fiance. Yeah, first winter in Calgary. And everyone keeps saying it's not usually this bad. I'm like, well, it's not. It's the only one I got to, you know, to hold it against. So. <laughs> but you got sucked in because we had a really good start to the winter. Right. Yeah. Where it was exactly. really, really nice. Exactly. And by the way, that will come back. I hope so. For maybe like a week at a time, it'll go really well. I've golfed here in February. No way. Yep. February golf. Hit a ball off a of frozen lake. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we were playing around a golf. Wow. But it's sort of this freaky thing they do every year. That's amazing. But so uh, your book, this is your second book? Yes. Yeah. I, I gave you the second book, which is terrible, right? You're going to wonder what happened in the first, but I'll ship it to you guys. I ran out. Uh, this will be a prequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a prequel. You'll find out what happens after before you find out what happened before. This is called Long Ride to the End of the World. And uh, this one is my ride from Brazil to Ushuaia, Argentina, the southern tip of South America, where I met uh, my fiance Clara, on the trip. So it was worth the ride. Oh, it was so worth the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, yes, big sir. reward for that. But the first book's called Long Ride Home. I had done 16,000 kilometers before I started this ride. So right. it took me about like 30,000 kilometers to meet her. So it was it was a long road to get to Clara. That well, That's good, though. <laughs> you guys look right? pretty. And she, you know what? Even with the weather right now, she hasn't left. Exa exactly. So that's you all I can ask I love you, but. But <laughs> it's too cold to me. <laughs> I'm going to miss you. <laughs> so... What prompted you to make the ride? Uh, so everything started with a book that my dad used to read to me when I was a little kid. Um, we've always been a horse family. My, my name is Felipe because it means a friend of horses. Oh, really? My dad used to rope and ride bulls. And I, so I grew up with my dad being the hero. I wanted to be a cowboy. But uh, not only that, when I was uh, really young, he used to read me the book of Aim Chifley, who was a Swiss school teacher. In 1925, this guy rode horseback yeah. from Buenos Aires to New York uh, in the United States, uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. And it became my life's dream. Like when my dad used to tell me the story as a kid, I'd be like, oh my God, can you imagine crossing all these countries on horseback? So, what, okay, that I get your motivation was from this book for yeah. your child. What was his motivation? So, his motivation was he uh, loved horses and loved the outdoors. And when he went to Argentina, he went to teach school, uh, like teach English for uh, young kids, right. and uh, fell in love with the Criollo breed, which is um, the Mustang of South America. Okay. Very strong horse, very hardy. And uh, he wanted to prove that the Mustang was the strongest horse in the world. So he came up with this insane plan to ride uh, horseback up to North America and went out and did it. 
So did now when he made his ride, did he do uh, one horse or did he take two horses? A bit of a string with him. Uh, two. So yeah. he he rode one, and then the second one took the pack saddle. They were called Mancha and Gato, uh, two special Criollo horses. Gato cat. Gato cat. Yeah, exactly. It always sticks with people. Told you Spanglish. Like, yeah, there you go. Uh, people are always like, "Why is the horse named Cat?" But uh, it just yeah. became a part of the story. You know, everyone loves the name Cat, and uh, yeah, rode them all the way from Buenos Aires to New York. What but he just to prove that it was the strongest breed. Yeah, the strongest breed. And I think in a way too, like he was an explorer, like he you know, Marco Polo was a long rider. Uh Charles Darwin was a long rider. You gotta remember that I didn't back know Darwin. Yeah, Darwin was a long rider. So back in the day a lot of people that liked to ride and explore and, and learn about the world, they got on the back of a horse and, and set off into the unknown and, and he kinda saw this opportunity, you know, to travel at four kilometers wow. an hour and, and see the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so that's why he did it. Yeah, it does fly by you. Oh, yeah, and, right? Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, you know, I've done stand-up all over North America. Yeah. Well, all over the world, sort of. But North America, that's I drove awesome. most of America. Wow. And I realized uh, I'm driving 90 miles an hour. I'm seeing nothing. Nah, you see a lot, though. But it's just, it's crazy. I don't, there's no other way to see the world than on the back of a horse. First of all, you have no engine. It's quiet. Second yes. of all, you're higher than a car, so you see way more. And thirdly, it's so slow. It's such a slow form of travel, and you need to ask for help. Like with a car, you put in gas, you go. You do 1,000 right. kilometers a day. A uh, motorcycle, a bike, do 120 kilometers a day. Stop the bike, put up your tent. The horse is a living, breathing, eating being right so it needs you know a place to sleep something to eat water to drink and that allows you to enter people's homes so it's quite a special way to travel and a lot of care a lot of care it's like traveling with babies they can't do anything by themselves but you're in the middle of the like the chihuahua desert with these babies yeah yeah that's great like what what do you think was the best thing that you learned during the first ride I think that uh, it was um, the kindness and generosity of humanity. Like, I've broken bread with drug lords, prostitutes, politicians, people that had everything and people that had nothing, and uh, of all skin colors, religion, creeds. Um, and you start to realize everyone's inherently the same. Number one, everyone wants to love and be loved, and, and everyone is like just so kind like I used to knock on people's doors and literally ask for help you know in the middle of Guatemala wow. Honduras you know wherever I was and they didn't know who I was who I was they didn't know who my parents were they didn't know what I was doing but very quickly um, they did everything they could to help me there was a family in Guatemala that butchered the only chicken they had to feed me uh, when I knocked on their door and wow and that was just one of many stories so yeah the kindness of humanity is tremendous how kind people are and that you know, I've um, I wonder what the ride would be like through COVID, because I had this yeah. great hope for people that that the whole world would go, okay, we're all fighting this shit yeah. together, yeah, and it would be bonding, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, as you know, I'm an American uh, with the leadership we had at the time, it was more divisive than anything, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Hopefully, it's going to come back around. 
I think so. You know, I think the problem is politics. Like in every country, I think today yeah. it's very divisive. We just saw Chile vote in a far uh, left wing um, president, the youngest guy in history. And, you know, you got Bolsonaro in Brazil, heavily right wing. Then you got Trump and you got. So I think the world is uh, very polarized right now. But I think it's politics. Once you go into your home or my home or his house or her house, it's all the same, man. We just want to be loved and we want the best for our kids. And we're all, you know, bitching about people. politics. Yeah. And we want to help people. And yeah, I think once you go wherever you are, whether it's Russia, Siberia, Africa, or Brazil, it's all the same. We just complicate it with politics. <laughs> did, you, did you find the horses were a great uh, break for people? Like, oh, 100%. It's an equalizer. People like, love horses. People love horses. Even if you don't love horses, you love horses. You know, like yeah. the, every statue from Alaska to Ushuaia of the, you know, when the country was liberated, there's a guy on top of a horse with a sword. Yep. Horses freedom. Horses are, you know, so it was, uh, it was a magnet. Like I became friends with drug lords who kept me safe in Central America. I went into their mansions. I met their kids. I hugged their wives. I saw the, their AK-47s. And, and why did they allow me into their home? It wasn't because I was a journalist or because my name is Felipe or because I'm from Brazil. It was because I was on top of a horse. And they love horses. And the horse is a common language. So, yeah, for sure. Well, and a big status symbol in a yeah. lot of Latin countries, too. Well, it's funny. I read this the other day. Back in the day, everyone had a horse, but only the rich had a car. Nowadays, everyone has a car. <laughs> only the rich have a horse. Yeah. And yeah, so the drug lords had the nicest Spanish horses in all the land. You know, they loved horses and big status. And for the show. For the show, 100%. Yeah, yes, sir. and they're beautiful. And they are beautiful. Yeah. Do you have actually have a favorite breed? Um, I love quarter horses just because it's the first horse my dad put me on when I was a little kid. I grew yeah. up roping and stuff. But uh, on my journey, I got to ride Mustangs and Criollos, and I've ridden all sorts of horses. And I, I love all horses, truthfully. But if I were to choose, be like, what horse do you want? I'd probably pick a quarter horse. Yeah. Yeah. They're just very agile. And... Just agile. Like if you want to rope or you want to, you know, cut a, a steer, you know, they're very athletic and very smart. Yeah. Uh, a lot of brain. Yeah, great horses. We had uh, race horses when nice. I was a kid, and uh, also an Arabian ranch. My dad nice. looked after for somebody, and um, I learned from my dad. You know why we like quarter horses? That race is over now. <laughs> You're not watching him and see yourself yeah. lose money all oh. the way around. It's like <laughs> it's quick and easy, like pulling a bandaid. Yep. that's and funny. man, they they fly out of that oh, gate. Yeah. They're quick. They're very quick. They were bred to to run a quarter of a mile. That's why they're called the the quarter horses. Well, catch a cow. Exactly, catch a cow. Yeah, they were. Uh, it's a breed that was a. Uh, they joined uh, the thoroughbred, which is yeah. the racehorse, with the mustang. So it's quick but stocky, and it became quick for short Strong. distances. Strong. Yeah. So yeah, it's an amazing horse. I love them. But the Arabian horse, you got to be on your feet to ride an Arabian horse. Like they are. Depending on how trained they are. Yeah, but even the really trained ones, they're very spooky. Well, they. Um, the first one I got on, I found that it had been trained, and everything I did with my legs and my feet told the horse something. Yes. And I would do something, and all of a sudden the horse would start trotting <laughs> sideways. I was like, what the fuck? Use your legs. <laughs> yeah, and the you know the guy that my dad bought him from didn't tell him. Oh, my God. It was just, you know what? It was uh, you know a, a wealthy guy from California wanted to own 
Arabians, and yeah. uh, my dad went and bought Arabians for him, and nice put him on the ranch, and it it was like we have no idea what to do with these, <laughs> and I'm sure the guy that sold it wasn't happy that it didn't go to someone that already right. loved the breed. Right, they're amazing horses. They're one of the oldest. I think they're the oldest horse breed. Like all other horse really? breeds have Arabians in them. Yeah, they're great for endurance racing. They can go like 200 kilometers, and they just don't stop. They're very hardy animals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it. I I always wanted to know what the horse was thinking. Like we did, we yeah. I I uh, on the ranch would do trail rides. And nice. The trail horses. I mean, they're pedunk horses, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. They're just they're following the yeah. the same path yeah. all the time. Head to tail, head to tail. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd be in the lead, and I would actually just sit backwards on the horse, and drop the reins, and the horse knew where to go. People were like. <laughs> We're not really riding horses, are we? <laughs> <laughs> they're riding us. <laughs> yeah, they're taking you for, they're giving you a lift, and yeah. they're going to endure this because they get a little grain at the end. And That's it. They're very smart animals, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, now, what are you, you're in Canada. How long have you been here? First winter. So, this is the first winter in, in Alberta. I grew up in Ontario. My When I moved to Canada, I was nine years old. My dad, okay. yeah, I came up with coffee, used to export coffee in Canada. I lived here from nine till uh, 17, 18. My parents moved back to Brazil, and then I came back for university. I went to school at Ryerson, and so okay. I bit, yeah, and then rode the horses back at 25. So, from nine to 25, I pretty much lived in Canada, and, and now we just recently came out west. We, we love the mountains. We're outdoorsy people, so... I, I love Calgary. I like, I like to call it home here. So uh, now I, I went in and looked at some of the stuff that you were you're doing on yes, your sir. Instagram and all of that. And uh, honestly, um, my uh, Portuguese, very bad. <laughs> or for muy mal. That's, I know bad that sounds things. sounds pretty good. <laughs> I know lots of curse words. Uh, but uh, uh, so I looked at it, and, and you've done interviews. Yes, sir. Where, so you've covered rodeo? Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, because I'm a journalist and um, I grew up in this world, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the rodeo with the Calgary Stampede. I went down to cover the NFR now, which is the national finals rodeo yeah. for a Brazilian uh, magazine. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of work around rodeo. So I have this great theory about why uh, there's so many uh, Brazilians and Argentinian great bull riders. Yes, sir. And uh, I was saying to somebody, you know, well, we were talking, Juan and I, before, and I said, you know what makes a great bull rider? A little guy that's ungodly strong. For sure. And it's not, and I thought about it before coming to the interview, it's not about, it's not about conquering the animal like breaking a horse. Yes. It's about surviving the ride. Yes, and sir. And holding on for eight seconds. Yes, sir. And uh, so the more strength you have in the ratio to your weight the less thrown you're going to be. I know, but it's more than physical strength. It's mental strength. It's conquering your mind. Because 99% of humans, when you put them on the back of a bull and they feel the adrenaline and, and what it is they're about to do, they'll get off right away. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. What do you mean to ride a bull? So to be able to keep your cool and uh, react to those eight seconds on top of you know such a big animal, a wild animal, um, you have to conquer your mind. So, yeah, those guys need to be studied because it's uh, it's unbelievable what they do. Well, it had to start as a bad bet. I yeah, mean, 100%. breaking horses you get yeah. on the ranch, every, 
everybody yeah. had to break horses. all the sports that are derived like uh from working life is called the rodeo right so there's a yeah. bunch of cowboys sitting around you know pushing cattle down in brazil we they used to have to push cattle to the one uh meat packing plant in the country which was in bajitos which is the biggest rodeo in latin america today so why did that rodeo become about because a bunch of bored cowboys all the cowboys waiting with came. the cattle hey i bet you can't ride that bull oh yeah i can't ride you can't race that horse faster than me and bets they're flying money whiskey and and that's how the rodeo came to be they're all derived from actual things you would do working like calf roping you got to rope the calf to you know care for it and keep it alive team roping bulldogging or you know and then it gets the bronc riding i did, when when we when i did the morning show a big part of it always the stampede yes and we sir. Went, there's actually a training place down by Okotoke somewhere. Okay. And it's for a calf roping. Nice. So they invited me out there. And I said, well, I, you know, I mean, I can ride a horse. And they said, okay, you, you really got to be ready for this. <laughs> and uh, the first time they opened the, the gate and the cow took off, I barely stayed on the horse. <laughs> Didn't get a rope in the air. It took me four cracks to get a rope to in the, the air. To get the rope going. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, because it was like, okay, like, I'm not getting dumped live on the air. Yeah, I'm so holding on for dear life. I'm, like, laying over the horse's neck and, like, <laughs> holding on as tight as I could. And when yeah. you watch the actual rodeo, it doesn't even look like they're putting yeah, an effort out. It's unbelievable. Those guys are roping in, like, seven seconds, you know, 6.9. And, yeah, you're going. You're on a horse going from zero to 40 kilometers an hour at the bat of an eye. Yeah. And then you need to rope that animal, step off your horse while it slams on the brakes. Step off is a polite way to put it. <laughs> launch. I would say launch off. Of launch. That. that sounds correct. Yeah, it's uh, they're amazing athletes, and and it's it's you know it's it's really cool because uh, especially in the 21st century where we're like you know diving into our phones and becoming a part of our you know computers. Um, it's a it's something that requires you to have an intense um, connection with an animal. Like it's it's teamwork, as I'm sure you notice. It's not yeah. just the roper. 70 percent is the horse. If you don't have a good horse you're not going to rope in seven seconds right. you know so it's really cool to see how they can work together it's awesome and they uh, absolutely love their animals oh yeah um uh, yeah it's I you mean, live for them, their right? life it's their life exactly you yeah. live for them like everything comes around that animal you know sure you love to rope but roping is what you do once twice three times a week but you're getting up at 6 a.m to feed that animal seven days a week 365 yeah. days a year and yeah there's no no day off on a farm or a ranch. No, sir. No, sir. No holidays, no Christmas, no New Year's. Every day is feeding day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't. I'll be with you tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I feel sick happen. today, horse. I can't feed you. And But honestly, like, I, I think I do a lot of motivational talks. And uh, I always say, like, I, I thank God every day that I grew up with a dad that wears spurs and a cowboy hat because I could just see the difference in myself, you know, as a seven-year-old kid compared to the other seven-year-old kids. Like, you know, you, you learn work ethics so much earlier in life and the value of life you learn what death is you know you lose animals animals are born and they die so it's uh you learn a lot when you live in this western culture yeah it's you know i worked with a comedian one time that grew up in a small town but he was a townie he okay. actually lived in the town and everybody else he went to school with uh lived on ranches or farms yeah and he said no matter what complaint you had you couldn't top anybody that grew up on a ranch or <laughs> And he said he remembered one time it had snowed a lot, and uh, he gets to school and he says, I had to get up early and shovel snow. And the other kid goes, we've been calving out since last night. 
<laughs> I haven't been to bed. And that's, you don't have a that's choice. That's just reality. Yeah. You got to be yeah, there. 100%. Yeah, it is. That's it's funny. a different work ethic, isn't it? It is. It's a different, a totally different work ethic. There's no nine to five. No, it's just it's 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 things that are alive. Like you just can't sleep in. You can't take a day off. Like they depend on you. If you don't go put water for that cow or that horse, it's not going to drink. So, uh, yeah, the work ethic is just it gets ingrained into you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's a good thing. So growing yeah. up in Ontario, though, where, yeah. where did you did small town uh, called Bolton, Ontario? And uh, yeah, you've been there? Oh yeah, no way. I've done a show almost everywhere. In nice. This country. That's the cool thing about doing a stand up. You get to see a lot of the country and yeah. a lot of cool places. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So Bolton, Ontario, small town. I used to tie down rope, you know, uh, during in high school and a little bit of elementary school, playing hockey, soccer. Just had a normal uh, childhood here in Canada, and that's why I love it so much. Like the more I travel, being from Brazil, um, Canada's a bubble, man. Like this doesn't exist in many other parts of the world, you know, with the the freedom you enjoy here, the security, the healthcare, the yeah. Other than the minus thirties, which I could live without, but everything else is really golden. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a great place. It's an live. amazing place, yeah. That's, I think that um, a lot of times uh, born and raised Canadians don't even understand how great it is. Take it for granted. Have no idea what's happening out there. But that's all they've ever known. Yeah, you can't blame them for it, right? So, yeah. But I wish more knew, like, oh, my God. like, Because I find a lot of kids nowadays, like, they don't really value it. You know, they're not putting in 110%. They're just, you know, pushing it, pushing it. And it's like, man, like... Take you down to Brazil for a couple of weeks and, send, and drop work. you off <laughs> in like the favela and leave you there. And, and then let's see if you value a little more. Because, yeah, this is amazing. The opportunity you get up here is unbelievable. If, if you want to put a little bit of work, you're going to you're gonna be good. You know, we're at those places, people work 24 hours a day and barely make enough to eat, you know, and life is yeah. real tough. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. In, in uh, one of the places we stayed in Costa Rica, they it, there was uh, guards at yeah. the gate. And... Uh, very safe and protected, although I didn't find it unsafe anywhere. I mean, yeah. trust me, I, at that time in my life, I went into a bar all the time. And yeah. uh, I just found it really relaxed. But it was a father-son from uh, Nicaragua, and they worked 12-hour shifts. One worked all night, one worked all day. Wow. And uh, that's just what they did. Just normal. Seven days a week. Yeah. And they were trying to put together enough money to get the rest of the family moved there because wow. Costa Rica had more of a, a middle class. Yeah, 100%. You know, which they worked very hard at creating. Yeah. But now the houses are really expensive. Oh, it's getting super expensive, right? All over the world, I think living is hard. But uh, it always like to me, like when I try to explain to people, I say, look at the look at the people walking to Mexico. Like, these people are taking their kids from countries like Honduras, Nicaragua, Guatemala. They're walking for, like, three months on the side of the road to get to this border where they then need to cross a desert with a coyote. Like, who would put their children in that much danger to get somewhere, to get somewhere unless you're extremely desperate? And that's what these people are. They're extremely desperate. Like, it's just life is really hard for them. And that's what they do to try to get a better life, you know? So, it's, so how, how, did your, uh, how did your parents pick... Canada because at that time I mean how old are you uh, I'm now 35 okay. so I was nine I was born in 86 to give people some context um 
My pa- my dad, uh, who's an adventure, loves to travel. He came to Canada when he was 16 years old, was backpacking with his brother. Went back. Wow. Yeah, I had crazy parents. Uh, yeah, one backpack and go ahead. So went to Europe. Went came to Canada, and he used to work and travel. So he ended up in the uh, tobacco fields in London, uh, Ontario, and wow. um, just for some reason was like really loved the country. And said I'm going to bring my family here one day. And uh, in 1994, uh, when we came up, my dad, uh, we're from a small town in Brazil where they grow a lot of coffee. And he saw an opportunity to export coffee to Canada, made right. some relationships and was like, it's now or never. He just, and I think in a way he wanted to give my sister and I an opportunity to learn, learn English and, and live in this, like we said, this great country that he had, you know, come here and got a small taste of it and, and wanted to give us this opportunity in life. So I'm very thankful to him that, you know, I was able to grow up here and, and I, I feel, I just feel lucky and blessed because a lot of the traits that I have uh, came from growing up in Canada, you know, like doing volunteer work. Like, who does volunteer work? But the Canadians, right? You got to do it to finish yeah. high school. All over the world. They won't let you go, get out of high school unless you have, like, I don't know how many hours. So it's, um, yeah, I, I really value everything I, I learn uh, from, you know, this society. It's an amazing place. Well, I'll tell you, growing up in Southern California, not a lot of volunteer worries yeah brazil zero like what volunteer what do you mean you're not gonna get paid to work like yeah why are you working (laughs) explain this to me like what do you mean volunteer yeah so yeah this is that's when you know it's a special nation man like when you stop at the stop sign and they are fighting to see who's gonna go first like the other person yeah yeah that's when they got me i was like okay i could live here well mike mcdonald used to have a, a joke that canadians are the only people that at three in the morning they would wait for the walk sign. <laughs> <laughs> a hundo P, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's just, funny. Anybody else, just go. Just go. No, someone might come. We got to wait. That's an amazing country. Great people. Yeah, I'm not so big on waiting for red lights all the time at <laughs> 3 in the morning. True. But, so what are you doing now? You, you said that you do motivational speaking. Yeah, I do a lot of motivational speaking um, all over the Americas, which has been great to large companies, universities. You know, my I talk about strategic planning and uh, working in a team and everything that it took for me to, to undertake this, um, you know, arduous journey to cross the Americas. I also uh, write. I write for the Toronto Star, uh, do some okay. stuff for Post Media, Brazilian uh, publications as well. And I'm just finishing my, my uh, third book right now. It's called Last Long Ride. And uh, my documentary, um, it's going to be an hour and uh, 30 minutes, comes out for Super Channel and Amazon Prime next year. Oh, nice. So really excited for that. I've been working on it for a year. I've been shooting it for 10 years. It's more than 500 hours of footage throughout the entire journey. Wow. And yeah, it's been uh, just a dream come true. Um, to have a film like I went to school to to make documentaries and I just I'm about to finish my first one so really excited so um is it the last long ride because you're engaged (laughs) yeah that's exactly it as soon as you meet a woman right (laughs) yeah no it's more like yeah, no, that's that's your last ride. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly it. Uh, no, uh, I kind of I outgrew it. You know, like the, my my dream was to go. What do you think of doing it together? Uh, we did the last one together. We did so this, this is how it went down. So people understand. It's I started in 2012 and I rode from the Calgary Stampede, the largest rodeo in Canada, uh, to Brazil, to the largest rodeo in Brazil. That took me 803 days through 10 countries. When I got to Brazil, um, I realized I wasn't done yet, so I continued on to the southern tip of South America called Ushuaia, Argentina. That took me uh, a year and three months through three countries, and that's where I met Clara, my fiance today. And when I got to Ushuaia, I said, well, 
the only thing that's left in the Americas now is the North. Like I haven't done Alaska. So that was the third ride, which we did together, Claire and I. I lived uh, in Alaska too. No way. It's interesting. Right? Interesting place. Yes. A lot of wide eyes over there. Uh, uh, they, they, I don't know that, I think they consider themselves Americans, but very special Americans. <laughs> very special Americans, as they should be treated. I mean, I lived there in 1977. Wow. Where'd you live? Pot was already decriminalized. Oh, I can imagine. I'm sure. They're just like, no, no, we're going to be smoking yeah, this. This is fine. Where, where did you live? I lived in Kenai. I don't know if okay. it, it was yeah, on the peninsula. Yes, sir. And Fairbanks and Anchorage. Nice. It's a cool place. I, I'm glad I saw it. You know, it's a... Uh, it's an, like when the sun is up at like two in the morning, you're like, what is happening? Like, a little yeah. shocking the first time you come right? out of a bar. Like, <laughs> How long was I in there for? <laughs> yeah, and in, when I lived there, the bars had to close for an hour. That was the law? From like, I think, I want to say from four to five or three to four. And wow. you could order like five drinks. <laughs> Just and the they wait. had to turn the light. This was the law. They had to turn the lights on and clean. Oh, so you'd order your drinks, they'd pile them on the table, and they would walk around vacuuming. (laughs) And then when the hour was up, lights go down, music comes up. Ready to go again. Right back. And that's that's Alaska to a T. That is Alaska to a T. They're not stoppers. They are not stoppers. That's funny. And uh, when I moved there in in Anchorage, they had a, um, let's call it the ballet. They had a strip joint. Nice. On the street downtown like okay. on the main street yes sir and they had women dancing topless in the in the window you could see them from the street and i thought wow yeah you know i mean i uh, you know i know we're still in america but that seems odd right it's another world though eh? it's, yep. it's very different from the rest of america or the world i i found the people very interesting you find a lot of people up there that seem to be running from something you know what i mean like it seems to be one of those Final frontier yeah, kind of yeah. places, you know, but good place to hide, great place to hide. And but just the lighting, like it just was weird to me. Like, we never, and then it was like because we were up there in the summer, we started the ride in the summer, obviously, as you know, it's a very cold place. And um, and then once we got to like the Yukon, like southern Yukon, then it's night started coming back, and that was equally as Hard. weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh my god, it gets dark at night, like, and there's bears everywhere, like, it was weird, yeah. Yeah, that's an and uh, if I remember correctly, horses are great at telling you there's a bear. Oh yeah, you just got to stay on though. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, but they yeah. they're oh they're yeah, you got to hold on because they're yeah. not sticking around. They're not sticking the, around no for the bear run. They just and we were crossing like three bears a day on this uh, on this last journey. A lot of grizzly bears. Wow. Yeah, no fun. That's a lot. And grizzlies are not the polite pet me bears. No, they're not. They're hungry. Like, they're, like there is a polite pet. Yeah, bear. what is a polite bear? <laughs> no, oh, black bears are Black bears are fine. Till they eat you. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, the thing. It's always you, the one bear that ruins it for the rest of the bears, right? It's like if you got hot dogs sitting out and you exactly. don't look like you're going to finish them. <laughs> they're coming for them. But it, it amazes me that North Americans uh, uh, have no concept of the wild. Like none. Like I know I, it was a long time ago, but I remember this story that I read and it was about a guy, I believe they were in Yellowstone and the dad wanted a picture of the kid with a bear and oh he put gosh. peanut butter on the kid's hand. What? Yeah, he got a really great snapshot of the bear taking the hand. <laughs> and it was like, how could you have been that stupid? And they had it, 
oh in their God. head that if they were like trained animals. And I will I will tell you, I think I've told this story. I uh, did a show at the Strathmore Rodeo. They drove me out in the back of a pickup truck, and I did stand up. And That's awesome. The first day, the rodeo clown says, the bulls are next. Stay out here with me. I went, okay. You know, I was honestly still drinking at the time, and I thought, <laughs> what a great idea. And I thought, I literally thought the bulls were basically trained. Wow. And uh, he said, all right, don't get in the barrel. They know how to get their horns in the barrels now, and they'll just get you that way. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to run up on that fence. And he said, the mean ones know how to run at the fence and knock you off. And I said to the guy, well, the cowboys will help me out. And he goes, they're here for the rider. <laughs> they, will, they will ignore us. And I was, I was, like, shocked. Like, it's a beyond rough sport. Oh, yeah, it's so rough. It's unbelievable. Like you only really know how rough it is till you got you got on the back of a bull and experienced it. Like everyone should do it at least once in their life. I think I rode a cow when I was a kid. Yeah, you got it. That's it. Same yeah. thing. Like when you know, it's that adrenaline and and facing your fear. Like it, everyone's afraid of it, right? It's so scary. It was. I think my dad challenged me to do it. Like one of the classic kinda, father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can't ride that. <laughs> can't ride that cow. And uh, he was right. <laughs> I could not ride the cow. He turns out even like little steers will buck you off. Oh yeah, they're mean little things. Yeah, they don't want to be. Nobody really wants to be ridden, do they? No, no. We would react poorly <laughs> yeah. to it as human beings. What do you think? Do you have something in your head that in all of the places you've been, where you thought you looked at it and thought this is the most beautiful place ever? Uh, there's, there's a lot of places like uh, Yellowstone National Park, uh, yeah. Glacier National Park, um, the Chihuahua Desert. I love deserts, like just the yeah. lighting, most beautiful lighting I saw on the entire trip uh, were sunrises and sunsets in the desert. Um, Central America was very... Costa Rica, you've been there, you know, the ocean, the, the wildlife, yeah. monkeys hopping from tree to tree. And, and they're still finding... Um animals in the rainforest that they yeah i sat on a flight yeah. with a guy that was discovered a, an a entomologist yeah and he had been working there for 10 years and had discovered like six new you know, species species yeah. that had never been seen that's so crazy right well it's, it's the jungle right the the rainforest has like i forgot the numbers but like 90 percent of the species on earth live in the, yeah. the jungle right? and they're still discovering uh, new species. So yeah, it was just um, culture wise. Like I love Mexico. Like you know, yeah, unbelievable the music, the people, the horse food. culture, the food. Uh, Argentina. I fell in love with Argentina, as you can tell. Uh, you know, Brazil is awesome. Uruguay. So, so much in love. You brought one of them home. I brought one of them <laughs> back. I just couldn't uh, couldn't hold myself back. No, it's just every place has like has something special, buddy. You know. So yeah. Um, all the I crossed uh, twelve countries on horseback, and uh, they all kind of left me with uh in awe you know there was a so, there was bad things about it as well every country has yeah. you know it's negatives but a lot of beautiful places on i was gonna ask you when you said you broke bread with a drug lord did yeah. he have better bread <laughs> you would have to think it was very expensive bread yes yes it would have to be but he mm -hmm. can afford it he He's can afford it squeaking yeah. by oh yeah those guys are just crazy they're just burning money he lives in a mansion had a zoo in his house but so much money what do you what do you do with it? You keep yourself alive. You build taller walls. Hide. You buy better arms. And, yeah, because uh, yeah, that's that's their worry 24 hours a day. You know, someone's going to come and 
It's not a good life. They take what they have. And no one chooses. Well, I'm not thinking about starting. A, yeah, well, if you want group. to, you read chapter six of my book. It gives you the rundown. Um, no, no one choose. No one. That's the other thing. Also, that was a huge lesson for me. Like it's just no Rarely one. Rarely a good end. Exactly. Never a good end. And uh, no one wakes up one day and says, I want to become a drug lord. You know, these are people that have had very few opportunities in life. Uh, he like a kid that barely had enough to eat when he was growing up. And it was, this was his way out. And uh, but most kids won't make it to their 18th birthday. Right. So I met those kids like kids. South with Central L.A. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even in Canada, we have it. every every country has a bit of that. Right. So yeah. um, it's sad. And um, yeah, it's not to be glorified. That's for sure. But you know, from a journalist's point of view, it was very nice being in the mansion and seeing the way they live. Yeah, yeah. I I watched a documentary that was really interesting, and uh, actually, New Year's is coming up, and uh, I have a food business at Crossroads Market, and I thought, you know what, I'm I I should make something for almost more uh, Cajuny, and I, I thought, you know what, maybe I'll make red beans and rice, and then I thought. Well, nobody will buy that. And then I said to somebody, you know, 90% of the people on earth survive on red be on beans and rice. Wow. And I didn't I, know that. I watched this documentary that was called A Dollar a Day. And they said that most people live on a dollar's worth. Wow. Uh, that's all they have to spend every day is a buck. Wow. And three Canadians went into some small village in the middle of nowhere and I think they started with $30, and they were broke really quick. No. And like you say, the village took care of them. Nice. And they taught them how to grow radishes or something that to they survive. could trade nice. to survive. And they said uh, every day somebody had just dropped something off. Wow. You know, big chunk of bread. That's you know, awesome. I, I must have been Mexico. So they were getting tortillas. Oh, okay. But they tried to teach them how to earn money to make their own way and it was just by the end of it they realized they just didn't have the capacity to survive wow that's awesome and that's what it is and and we in brazil eat a lot of rice and beans yeah every day because <laughs> it's really good it's amazing yeah yeah you should that's definitely make it you'll sell you'll sell out I don't know, you know. It was that or gumbo. I'm I'm Ooh, a big gumbo. gumbo. I've never had gumbo. I heard it's really good. Really? Though. Yeah. Right. Southern cooking, right? Oh yeah. Gumbo. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to try it. Never had it. Big in Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana. That's it. See if, if you can get a really good seafood gumbo. That's okay. That's a specialty, eh? Yeah. You, okay. You gotta try. You like spicy food? Yeah. Well, I know, like Brazil, I know Argentina also isn't a really spicy no. food. But everybody, I don't know why the rest of the world. Well, they speak Spanish. Yeah. They must like peppers. Exactly. It's like, I'll exactly. make them peppers. Exactly. Everyone thinks I'm like, no, that's Mexico. Okay. Oh, There's a whole other world is, under Mexico. First time I went to uh, an actual Mexican family's house for dinner, we we had uh, cheese burritos that were chuck full of raw onion. Oh my god. And it was like, okay, now I'm going to need some tequila, but <laughs> my stomach is really going to hurt. And it did. Like, my body just wasn't ready for that much raw onion. Oh, and that was it. But that was considered, like, one of their delicacies yeah, to make. you got to eat it. And the cheese was stunning. I mean. Oh, yeah. So good. Just it's totally different cheese. No, they they're very good. Every I find I like other than the spiciness, which I hate, um, the food is so good in Mexico. It's just so tasty. Like you might have a shock with the gumbo I make. Okay. 
I like a little snap to it. A little snap, eh? <laughs> yeah, just a little snap. <laughs> but not too bad. Okay. I'll try. I'll come try it. I'll come try it. Yeah. I should make it at some point. What Out of all of the... Where was your favorite place to eat since we were On talking food, about yeah. food? On um, food, yeah. Yeah. Mexico was tough. I ate a lot of spicy food. Just no other option. You got to eat it. I'm not, you know, I, I don't. Did uh, you eat the street food there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, my delicious. favorite. Delicious taquitos. You got to have them, right? Yeah. But I think Argentina, Argentina had really good food. The, a lot of, a lot of bar. I'm with the gauchos, the cowboys, right? So yeah. they're, they're always welcoming me with the barbecue or, you know, a lot of meat. Um, I Barbacoa. Ate a, barbacoa. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good meats in, uh, in Argentina and in Uruguay as well. Yeah. That would probably be number one, yeah. Yeah, Uruguay, Uruguay is one of those that you, you just don't think of. Small but country. I was, I, well, I was educated in California, so. <laughs> you don't think of anything. <laughs> no, you don't. Outside think. of the U.S. perimeter, right? Um, no, Uruguay, yeah. A lot, it's, a, it's a tiny country. It's like the size of a Brazilian uh, state, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. But it's a really cool place. A lot of history. Um, it, they, they, it's known as the Switzerland of, of Latin America. So a lot of culture. The people all dress very nicely. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – it, it's one of those countries that really stands out for me. Although it was one of the smallest I crossed, I think about it often, made a lot of good friends, and, yeah, a really cool place. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, Uruguay. Get down to Uruguay if you can. It's an awesome place. Weed is also legal in Uruguay. Very, uh, they're just a little more ahead than the rest of us in Latin America, yeah. Well, I mean, I I said for you, and that's not my, my uh, drug of choice, shall we say. Yeah. But uh, I've always said I can't believe Pot's illegal and alcohol's legal. I mean, everybody yeah, I know gets in more trouble on yeah, alcohol. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and it's human nature. Like uh, there was a guy that did a TV show called The Thirsty Traveler. Oh yeah, okay, I watched I don't it. Know if, yes, yeah, sir. A friend of mine did sound for him. Nice. And uh, a base, the basis of the show was he went to all these countries and then got hammered on whatever the local drink was. Wow. And he was, um, where was it? But they made uh, alcohol out of yak milk. Oh my god! And I thought that must terrible. just be horrendous. <laughs> yeah, let's drink like, that. Just you gotta really want to forget how your day went. Oh my to god! To be drinking fermented yak milk. Give me that fermented yak milk. I need to forget about. Yeah, my but life. every culture. Yeah. Has something. Are the and Peruvians that like chew the corn and spit it? Chicha. Yeah. That's delicious. Another man spit. Yeah. Oh, Never tasted so yeah. good. <laughs> I brought you some. Now, and you know what? One of the things that I'm good. I had some just before we started. Okay. Um, the uh, the the amount of potatoes. I have a neighbor at the market that's from Colombia. Nice. I asked him what his favorite dish was, and it's a it's a potato soup. And then I go to find I find everything I need here because Calgary is actually really good. The people that move yeah. here, like you said, yep. you know, your dad started bringing yep. coffee and yep. bring the delicacies from where they live. But there's like 300 kinds of potatoes. It's unbelievable. And they're they're in every recipe. I have all the spices and everything, and every recipe kind of apologized if you couldn't get the right potato because <laughs> it takes a specific potato. Wow. And I can't find it here. That's insane. Yeah, it's amazing how many varieties of potatoes there are. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it very, I mean, it started as, you know, an Aztec ink. Yeah, thing. exactly. 
and they had the whole technology to, to plant them and and that's that, that was their diet right primarily yep. they ate potatoes that's why they were very small smaller people right they didn't grow very tall uh because that's all they ate was potatoes and they have like when you go there have you been to peru or bolivia uh, no, I've been to Colombia. To Colombia, yeah. So yeah. like where they grow it, and like depending on where the the sun is on that time of the day, and it's really cool. How Everything they, changes. Yeah, they had the technology. Well, and they're still using some of the original rock built. Yeah. Uh, the constructions with which I mean, they just go back and forth, it's and they room. run water down them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, simplistic. Yeah. And brilliant. It's so brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and when and you know. Uh, I saw a hydroponic place in Texas, and uh, they had built. It was in a grocery store, and I specifically went there to see it. To see it, well, wow. and they had the water pumped up to the top, and then they had pipes that all of the. Yeah. And it's grown hydroponically, so the basically yeah. the roots sit down, and the and the water goes over, and it has all the nutrients. That's in so it. crazy, eh? That's and, the future, uh, right? I'm looking. I said, "Wow, that's really cool." And he goes, "Yeah, imagine when it was first invented, like." <laughs> 4,000 years ago. Right? It's crazy, but yeah, it's true. They were doing that way back when. Yeah, and they figured that stuff out. I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it either, man. Like, even even visiting all the ruins, like, I got a chance to see the ruins in Mexico and, yeah. and in Honduras. I went to Tikal and and, uh, and in Peru, and it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable. Like, how do these people, they're astronomers. Like, they, this is all with the galaxies in line with the stars. And yeah. the way the sun hits it, that one day of the year, it creates a snake. Like, they were, like, the greatest architects. And it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But they were also not spending all day on computers and watching <laughs> Yeah, TV. exactly. Not on TikTok all day, right? They could they create other, things. <laughs> other shit to do. Exactly, yeah. Did you see the uh, uh, cave dwellings in, in the southern U.S.? No, I didn't. They don't even know who the people were. Isn't that crazy? Wow. You know, and they had built houses into they, you know, gouged it out. And wow. obviously it was a form of protection, too. You yeah, know, yeah. If they were being attacked, they pulled the ladders up. Wow. Sit out there all day. We yeah. got a lot of food in here. We got water. We're good to we go. Irrigation system. Can't get in here. Yeah. Wow. But it, it was out of necessity. Yes. And That's now we amazing. don't have that much necessity. We don't think about it, right? Like, everything's just so easy. Somebody must be thinking of it for us. Yeah. One would hope. One would hope, right? <laughs> but then it goes back to the simple things about growing food. Yeah. You know? And what is it, and then what happens? Because we're people, things like Monsanto happen. Yeah, exactly. Where exactly. it's like we can control all the control food. All the, you got to buy seeds from us. That's right. It's like, what? <laughs> and if the, our seed yeah. happens to blow into some poor farmer's yeah. field, we'll sue them. Exactly. Not our problem. They're losing those lawsuits now. Yeah, but they're they're a powerhouse. Like, it's crazy. It's, yeah, the world is crazy. But some inherently evil human being thought, I, I'm going to start a company and control everything <laughs> everyone eats. Isn't that, yeah. As opposed to, I always had this theory, I don't know if you know it, in the U.S. they actually pay farmers not to grow crops. I did not know to that. To control the pricing. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, I said, you know, there's a lot of people that are hungry, and farmers are really proud human beings. Oh, yeah. Why don't we pay them to grow food and then ship it to people yeah. that don't have food? Yeah, that makes sense. It seemed like a really sensible thing to me. Oh, yeah. Far too... Easy. I'm sure you would have never talked Osea Trump into that. <laughs> Maybe Biden. He's a kinder, gentler. He's like having your grandpa run the country. Yeah, exactly. You kids, take your shots. 
<laughs> Grandpa. Yeah, I don't know. That guy's just kind of out of it. He scares me. Uh, I don't know if he scares me. I don't think. I think it would. Uh, somebody asked me about Trudeau, and I said if I thought he was actually running the country, it would scare me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's touché, more going touché. on. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. He, honestly, he did a good job of reading what they told him. He didn't try to make up. I mean, Trump tried to make up all these. Other, yeah, right. Maybe if you guys drank Clorox. Did I, that, this guy just say this? Who thought yeah, that was a good weird. idea? Isn't it crazy how that guy was there for so long? Yeah. Yeah, and America's full of guns. That's crazy. Nobody did a useful thing with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But, uh, yeah, so do you think that you would ever go back to live there? In Brazil? Well, I'm thinking you're probably more likely to live in Argentina. That's true. That's true. You, there's, a, there's a new sheriff in town, That buddy. is a fact. <laughs> um, not right now. I think we, we love to travel, you know, like Canada yep. seems like a good place for us to – as you say, you can fly anywhere. You know, you don't have to stop yeah. anywhere. It goes straight in where you want. Um, but eventually, I think we'll get back to our countries. You know, we have our, our families there. So I think uh, in a, 10 years or so, we'll go back to Argentina. <laughs> we actually, you know what? We had a guest on that you guys should meet. He's my neighbor at the market. Okay. He's called the Spice Merchant. Okay. And he started out as a, as a backpacker and a travel blogger. Nice. And then he started collecting spice and bringing it back. And now he makes all of these. Like anything you want from your homes, he can either he has it or he will get it for you. That is awesome. Yeah. We have so to go he visit would, him. I think you guys would have a yeah, lot to chat love with to, about. That would be awesome. And whereabouts is this? Crossroads Market. Crossroads Market. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they're a, a younger couple. And, okay. Um, where they went all through. He had just been here, and they, where they went through parts of Russia and nice. Greece. Love and to travel all over Europe. Okay, and yeah, cool. you guys would have a lot in common. All right, cool. Yeah, we'd love to meet them. But okay, what's your favorite dish? Favorite that been, dish that would have been Brazilian when you were a kid. Um, I'm a sucker for rice and beans, so I'm I'm definitely a Brazilian. Yeah. So like rice and beans, some kind of meat. Uh, an egg, fried egg on top, and yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, it sounds just shy of an Asian dish too. Yeah, true that for sure. Yeah, it's not far off. Not far off, no, for sure. But uh, I think that the spices that Brazilians use is better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not as hot. No, it just tastes. It's just tasty. Like Brazilian grandmothers, like oh my god, they just like any grandmother. But Brazilian grandmas, like they have like the Italian, the Portuguese, you know, it's a big mixture. Big and, uh, combo. Oh, it's just, it's good. It's good cooking. It's good cooking. Now, is it a culture that fights over the, the rights to adobo? <laughs> Do you know what adobo is? No. No, oh, okay. I have this ongoing argument. I learned about adobo. Oh, from, adobo. In, it's, a, it's a spice that I know as a Mexican spice. Okay. And Filipinos believe that it's theirs. No way. And it's it's different, and it's used differently in each culture. Okay. But both cultures think they own it. That's so funny. I never heard of this. It's yeah. like the Pisco. Pisco, the Peruvians, and the Chileans also have this fight. So what's Pisco from? It's a drink. It's like uh, made out of grapes, I want to say. It's an alcohol. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's alcohol. It's kind of their... Very strong alcohol. So it's their traditional alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it runs like you can you can fly an airplane with this stuff. And they have this fight that the, the Chileans made it, the Peruvians made it, who knows. 
<laughs> but they argue over that. Oh, they argue. It's like soccer. Fortunately, they get hammered while they're arguing. Exactly, so and then that just makes it, it harder. Escalates. Oh, then no one, no one wins. No one wins. No one wins. No nope. bunch of losers. Yeah, not that fight. What about? And I know we can barely hear you, but we can. But what about Argentina? What's your favorite dish you miss? Asado? Yeah. yeah. Barbecue. She's a bar- yeah. yeah. They're addicted to Or guiso. They make this delicious no, stew. That's my favorite. It's like this stew with like everything, every vegetable you have in the fridge. Okay. It's good. You guys have to come to the business that I own. It's a pasta company. Oh, yeah. And I make like real. And like it's a I, restaurant? You go there to eat? Uh, no, I'm not doing meals right now. Like you buy the pasta and cook it at home? Yeah. Okay, perfect. And yeah, it's we'll dead simple. It's fresh. It cooks in nice. three minutes tops. Oh, delicious. Awesome. We'll definitely come by. But yeah, you have to come by, get some spices, and you yeah. can make whatever you want with yeah. it. Yeah, Clara likes yeah, pasta. I like pasta. Yeah. 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 It's good for you. Yeah, it is good for you. In measured amounts. Like everything. And right? none of it's, none of the flour I use is processed. It's not white flour. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like real flour. It's it actually legit. looks like cornmeal almost. Ooh. Like a real small cornmeal. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we'd love to try it. That's I'll treat cool. you guys to oh, some. Oh, thanks so much for your It's easy to say on the air and then when you show up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Man, no, we did the no podcast. Where's my pasta? Yeah. <laughs> I am hungry. I don't know you guys. We already got the show. <laughs> yeah, like, I got I a free book. Get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, what's your favorite Canadian food? Favorite Canadian food. What is Canadian food? Like, that we talk about that all the time. To me, Canadian food is the fact that you can have breakfast at a traditional Russian spot, go eat lunch in an Italian restaurant from a person that came from Italy, and eat dinner with, like, traditional, like, Japanese food. But um, I don't know what Canadian food. I love my uh, Mary's Caesar salad growing up. That's very Canadian, I found. Poutine. I'm a big poutine, poutine lover. Yeah. Clara hates poutine. I love really? poutine, yeah. Well, we t- you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Try one good one. Today, what do we eat today that's not Canadian, but... Uh, the little... Uh, they're made out of uh, potatoes. Uh, they're from... They're just a dumpling. Pierogies. It's technically... You guys adopted pierogies. Yeah, but every culture, pierogies are from Europe. Right, yeah. And, and they're made like flour stuffed with whatever you happen to Inside, have. Inside, yeah. Yeah. But it's a very, like, I, I find Canadians, uh, it's become their own. Like, we don't eat pierogies in Brazil. No. Yeah. There must be some kind of dumpling thing, though. Pastel? Close to, yeah. We Just, it. Yeah, we deep fry everything. <laughs> Is it, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, what would you call it in, in Mexico? Um, they bake them in Mexico, and then the further south you go, the more They'll they fry? deep fry them. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, I'll think of it. Yeah, we fry we fry our pastels. It's good. You should try one. Have you been to Brazil? And no. You got to get down there, man. You're going to love it. I would. That's the problem. <laughs> you might stay. That's okay, I've, though. I, you know what? I, I would. I'm one of the – I had one point in time I had have decided you. that I was going to move to Mexico, buy a bicycle, and uh, – <laughs> Get a hibachi barbecue grill, uh, yeah, welded to the front of it. Oh my god! And tow a cooler and sell uh, barbecue food and a beer out of the cooler. That sounds like an amazing idea. Yes, which everyone told me 
we're a little bit afraid because we think you're actually you're not joking. Like, no, no. I'm like, well, I could. Do we'll that. give it away. The bike with the cooler in the back. Like, yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah, that's it. And man, I think this is a good idea. Dogs, you know, it's never or, too late. I found out in in uh, Costa Rica sometimes they consider hot dogs sausages. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Do you know what chilaquiles is? No. Oh. Ooh. Oh, you have to. It's good. Have some of those. It's technically a leftover taco chips. Okay. From the dinner the night before, and okay. then whatever sauce you had used, like red or green. Okay. And uh, cheese, and uh, this will shock you, a fried egg on top. Ooh. But I went somewhere, and they said, oh, do you want sausage with that? And I said, yes. And I see him, he's just cutting up a hot dog <laughs> on there. That's so funny. He's a hot dog, man. Te- technically, it's a sausage. That's so funny. But I did not know that. Food is always the great equalizer to me. For sure. Definitely. And the fact that um, the whole cowboy thing is like really the Americas, yeah, to me, hundred percent, yeah. And and the uh, somebody told me the first horses landed uh, with uh, when Spain first sent yeah. ships across to raid yeah. and pillage, yeah. And they started in Florida, and then of course, fortunately for the Europeans. The UK discovered America after yeah, that. Yeah, everybody seems to ignore that, and I don't That's know so why. Crazy. But they brought horses with them, and yeah, for sure. I mean, there 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 are people that say that horses were here before with the natives that they came through the the land bridge. They came through Siberia, Should've Russia, been. with them. But most people say they came when the Europeans arrived because. During the Ice Age, all the horses in the Americas were extinct, either from the low temperatures or people eating them. They're not sure. So there is some, like, did the natives bring them when they walked over? Or did the Europeans came? But most people think the Europe- Europeans, that's when they were reintroduced, yeah. when the ships arrived, because you need horses, right, to find the new world, to plow our fields, to go to war. Like, they did everything for us. We tend to forget that, right? The Americas... It was built on the back of a horse. It was the only way we could do anything. So they're they're so important to the Americas. Well, and the fact that that that's how people landed in the east yeah. of the continent yeah. and moved west. Hundred percent was with wagons. That's the only way they could do it, right? And some of them towed with oxen. Exactly. And you know the yes. like the two wheel wagons that yep. were really not the fanciest. No, thing it was Earth. a hard life, man. Can you imagine like just not no. knowing what you're. I complained up to. about driving. <laughs> Imagine your oxes getting the oxes out of the barn. <laughs> come on, Jerry. Come on. Or Marla. something happens. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. Like we we like we take it for granted. Like these people's lives are so hard, you know. But uh, but they were strong and they were pioneers and they just kept going, right? Even like the the RCMP riding out from Ontario to Alberta, yeah. like they literally rode horses. Let me tell you, I know what it's like to ride a horse uh, long distance, and it ain't easy. Nowadays, when you have a GPS and towns and cities, imagine back when they did it. So, yeah, you got to tip your hat to those men and women that that did it when they did it. Any animals? Did you run into anybody that was unfriendly about you being on their property? Uh, just one woman in Texas. 
That's no you. way. Texas? Yeah, right? Who would have thought? That's where my mom was from. <laughs> I love Texas. But yeah, just this lady, I it was late. I was uh, going over a pass, uh, southern Texas near uh, Mexico, and I found this gate on the left side of the road. And when there was a house, I'd knock on the door and ask for help when there wasn't. You know, just a gate in the middle of nowhere. You open the gate and put your horses in, right? Like... And uh, I don't know if there was a sensor or something on the gate, but like 10 minutes later, Probably. I hear this truck screeching up. Yeah. And she's like, who are you? I'm like, oh, my name is Felipe. I'm riding horses from Canada to Brazil. She's like, saddle up and get out of my land. I was like, thank you, ma'am. So yeah, I had to. It was a tough They are ride. a bit possessive. Yeah, a little bit. Considering they weren't exactly the original owners. Yeah, exactly. None right? of us were. None of us were. But they definitely were in, like that was uh, no. Mexico, right? Well, yeah, and and the same with California. Yeah, exactly. Somebody asked me one time. They they said, "Man, there's like a lot of Mexicans in California." I said, "Yeah, yeah uh, they owned it." Yeah, exactly. We uh, we stole it from them. Yeah, pretty much. Them and the yeah. indigenous. We yeah. just twice <laughs> boldly yeah boldly came across yeah. and went i believe this is ours now. but when you look at the original map of mexico like even parts of wyoming was mexico that high up yeah and they had a president that... they don't show us those maps in school yeah yeah they in don't have to have been burned yeah that's right. <laughs> donald trump has them at his house um but no it's crazy but yeah yeah it's uh the horse was very important throughout this entire process you know that's how they did it but it, you know what? It is amazing that I, I was dry. I have a tendency sometimes to drive in the middle of the night to, to get somewhere. And I was running out of gas and could not find a gas station. I actually ran out of gas. I could see the Shell station oh. uh, in Strathmore. No. And I, I called AMA and they came and got me, which also didn't happen for the people coming across. <laughs> but uh, somebody said, well, why don't you just stop at a farm? I said, well, what do you mean? You just go knock on the door and yeah. say, hey, I'm running out of gas. Can you help me out? 100%. They would help They'll you They'll fill you up and let you go. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's crazy to think about, but that's the truth. Now, what if you did that in a city? Downtown Calgary, you find the first door, you knock and say, I need gas. What would they tell you? Uh, the same as Texas. Get off of my land. Settle up. Yeah, exactly. Something about the rural communities, you know, and they still hold that that essence to help well, you help your neighbor because you, you need it right that, that's how their their lives are um able to happen is that they rely on help from their neighbors every day right so and, and at some point in time everybody needs some kind yeah, of yeah for sure for sure you know and i think people forget that and become yeah so possessive yeah you know yeah i don't know i'm not i live in a condo now i'm not no, but I agree that with you. Possessive. No, you're, uh, but I, I just think it teaches us to be self-sufficient and to take care of our own, and that's it, right? Like, you don't think about sometimes helping out people from outside, whereas farmers and ranchers, I think, are more inclined to, to open the door to a stranger just yeah. because of this livelihood that they have. You know, you get together to brand the cows. Everyone joins up and helps each other. You're going to build fence. You help each other out. And But in, in the city, I think it's fear-based. Yeah, for a sure. Knock at the door means yeah. danger. Bad things are going to happen, for sure. Yep. And you know what? To farm people, it's like, well, somebody's gone out of their way to come here. Or somebody needs help. Like, it's, yeah. it's night, or they're they knocking, be, or they wouldn't they be, would knocking. be knocking. Yeah. But for sure, like, a, a large part of my trip, and I say this a lot, like, I, I'm very thankful to ranchers and farmers in the egg community because they carried me. And uh, had I done this journey through large cities, I don't know if it would have been the same. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would have... 
Uh, there's great, good people everywhere. Don't get me wrong. As people are listening to this and they're like, I hate this guy. Like, I live in a city. I'm not saying city people are bad. Like, don't get me wrong. No, That's not you. what I'm saying. But there is an essence about, you know, s- small country towns and ranching and farming that that is still different. It's maintained this old style of thinking, you know, help out thy brother. Well, you know, it's really funny because I used to, uh, when I went east to do comedy, mostly I went to, to, uh, Toronto, Hamilton, yeah. Niagara Falls. Yeah. And I just, I didn't really like going there. I could, like in the middle of my show, I would always stop in Toronto and go, you know, you're not New York, right? <laughs> you guys got to lighten the fuck That's up. That's so funny. You They'd think you're so that. important. And, and I ended up doing a, a little <laughs> mini tour with this IG tour. And you would go into these, these smaller communities. Nice. They're all great. Yes. And I tell them, then I hated Ontario until I met you guys. Ah, that's so funny. They love that. I mean, we did a comedy show in a church. There was literally a cross behind me, and here I am on stage cursing my head off. Wow. And uh, thinking, well, you know, I believe in a loving, forgiving God. I'm going to go with that one. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there is something different about smaller town people. Yeah, 100%. But I will say that that I went to New York right after uh, September 11th happened, not right after, but a few months. And it was shocking to me because I'd be walking down the street and people said hello. Wow. And nobody in New York says hello to each other. I'm sure they've stopped now again. (laughs) That's interesting, eh? Yeah. And it it was just, that was one of those things where everybody bonded together and went, all right, enough of this infighting bullshit. Let's get through this. Sometimes that's what it takes, right? That was that was a big deal, man. Which was my sadly my hope for COVID was that people would bond together and Yeah. I hope, I hope as well, but I don't know. It's going to be tough. I think you know what I saw somebody uh, one of the doctors say, you know, I don't know if you caught on to it yet, but eventually everyone will get this. Yeah. And that's when people it, tend it'll to forget okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh I mean, the new variant isn't as deadly. Yeah. You don't get as sick. Yeah. I mean, I've got some friends that have, have it and have had it and say it's like a, a kind of a bad cold. Exactly, like a flu type thing, right? But it's yeah. not deadly, which is the important part. Yeah. You know what's interesting about this, a little off topic, but in Brazil, they are not referring to this as COVID. They call it H1N something. They're saying this is a separate flu. I don't understand why. It makes no sense to me. The rest of the world is calling it COVID. It's a new variant. It's not as bad. Brazil, it's not COVID. It's another flu. So I don't know Which what, could be true. Which could be true, right? Because it seems like everyone that I know as well that has gone, it doesn't seem anything like COVID. It seems like a cold or, or a flu, your regular flu, right. you know? So I, I just found that interesting why they're doing it. What's what's the motive behind and it? And nobody's getting a flu shot now, which I never got before. Yeah. I mean, I'm triple vaccinated. Yeah. Because... Uh, I actually had it before they knew what it was. Wow. And then... I like got, at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. No way. And uh, first shot, second shot, and then and the, the, the long-term effect has been that my lungs don't work as well. Really? But I also have not treated them kindly over the years. Right. Is it so, COVID or is, is it... <laughs> I had a doctor point out on the computer, it's COVID or... <laughs> Any one of these. <laughs> That's funny. Good to have a doctor with a sense of humor. Thank God, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. You need a doctor with a sense of humor for sure. So do you think the trip would be different now considering COVID? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think I'm the last of my kind. Like, I think that yeah. what I did, 
um, will be very hard for someone else to do, especially with the same horses. Like my first trip, like I talk about how difficult it was to cross those international borders with horses. Every country I got to. Oh yeah. Vaccinations. Vaccinations, quarantine, you know, bureaucracy, corruption. So a lot of them I crossed illegally in Central America just because it was impossible. Easier. Easier, And it was just impossible to to abide by the rules. And, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, I did the last section of, uh, of the last ride from Alaska to Calgary during the pandemic. Um, and it was just, it kind of ruined the trip because the funnest part about this trip is meeting people, sitting down and having dinner with them, picking up the kids and like not them not wanting to leave the next day. You know what I mean? You, it, everything is very intense. You become like their quick family. Friends. Yeah. Quick friends. And, um, and we were picking routes that, took us away from people and left us in the middle of nowhere with the bears and, and that's fun, but you see, you see a mountain, you see a hundred mountains. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? But you go into someone's home and it's always different. And, um, that to me was the most special part of the trip was, was this connection that it gave me with, with the people, people you would have never met. You would have never met every 30 kilometers. I only traveled 30 kilometers a day. I crossed all of Mexico. It took me seven months to cross Mexico on a horse. So you can imagine the amount of people I met. And, um, and now with COVID, was I going through Mexico? Would they have put me into their homes? Would I have found places to stay? I don't know. Right. So I'm glad I did it when Although, I did it. Although, quite honestly, I think they're far more welcoming in Mexico than in more north. America. Yeah, I agree. But I, I do think that this, you know, the COVID time is just a lot of people that would have welcomed you, might not. You wouldn't want to take something in their homes. Imagine if you were doing this and all of a sudden, a week later, you're, oh, now I have COVID. Well, how about the... 60 families I just stayed yeah. with for the past two weeks. Like what, what, they all have it like tracking. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really, it, it's very, it's a different world. And I think it was going towards that, you know, um, to become very hard to, to be a saddle tramp in the 21st century, but COVID did not help it at all. It's going to speed things. Saddle tramp. Yeah. Saddle tramp. Exactly. <laughs> Don't give it away. <laughs> That's a great phrase, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. Some people refer to me as a saddle tramp. I always thought that was funny. I'm like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> There's a, I don't know if you've watched Yellowstone at all. Yeah. Series. Oh, my God, it's amazing. So they started the 1883, the prequel. I haven't which is seen how it I'm yet. going to go through your books. Yeah. But uh, uh, it was one of those things where I saw that and I knew this was coming up and I thought, yeah, shit, it was really tough. Oh, it was really tough. Like these guys were going out and finding wild cattle to take oh. with them so they would have food. Exactly. Just unbelievable. Like, and things we don't even think about. Like, just like, where do you find provisions for these animals? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're in the middle of nowhere by yourself. 18, what? Eight, what's the name of the series? The 1883. And that's when they were doing this, 1883. Like, yeah. can you imagine? It's insane. It's for crazy people. You had to be so tough. Like, it's survival. Yeah, and everybody was, and it was at the end of the Civil War, and everybody was taking. It's unbelievable. They had been tortured enough throughout all of that shit. Isn't that crazy? And then to go through that, and and we complain about, oh, it's raining, oh, it's minus 50. Well, imagine being on a horse and it's minus 50, or it's raining, you know what I mean? Like, it's intense. You know what? I I did the weather for a couple of very short periods of time. Nice. How did you like that? I I, I was really bad at it. That's my dream job. I feel like it's so fun. I just It's the funnest person on the newscast. Everyone's so serious. Oh, always, yeah. Right? You're like, oh, it's going to rain. Who cares? You know what? It was like (laughs) minus 50 or minus 30 minimum every day for yeah. a week and i refused to post weather <laughs> no way and i was posting all inclusive deals you could go to get oh the hell my out God, of here that's amazing and uh, i'm getting yelled at and 
And uh, I go, man, you guys don't think. What you need is a travel agent to sponsor me. Yes. And they'll they'll come on and we'll talk about. That's call them. Golden. You can get out of this shit. Yeah, it's terrible here. Go to Mexico. We got airplanes now. Did you get the the deal? Did you? No. Oh. No, they just small minds. TV's a really weird industry. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It is archaic in its thought patterns yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's and there is nothing worse to me than the phrase, but we've always done it that way. Well, Papa <laughs> There's the internet now. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to guess how to cure yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's very much that, right? We've always done it this way. Yeah, and it's I don't know mentality. how I don't think it ever changes. I'm sure it's been that way forever. Yeah. The I think older so. people have always done it the way they've done it and don't want to change. People I had somebody tell me one time, uh Change is good for people. People love change. I said, no, people hate people change. People hate change. Yeah. They're afraid of it. Yeah, they do not like and it. And it's, uh, I, I've spent my whole life looking for change all the time and just do something. I mean, I've had lots of different careers and yeah. done lots of different things, and I've been yeah. very fortunate. Yes, sir. I've done some really stupid shit along the way, but. Who hasn't? But, you know, like somebody told me, you you got stories no one else has. And I said, yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> a lot of this stuff nobody else would ever do. Exactly. It was stupid. Except the invitation from the rodeo clown. But, who, yeah, <laughs> who else gets to be out there? Yeah. And the great ending to that story was at the end of the night, they had a post meeting. <laughs> and nobody can find this one guy. He's the big sponsor guy. And uh, somebody looks out, the, everybody's having beers and having a post-meeting about how the day went. And, and somebody looks out and they go, holy shit, he's in the bullpen. No. And he had gotten drunk and decided to walk through the bulls. And the same mental thought I had was, well, they're trained. <laughs> you know, they know when the bell goes out. Like, yeah, it's you fine. know, you train animals yeah, train to do bulls. what you want them to do. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not so trained. No, they're not. And they were. Everybody went out and really quietly. All right, hey, walk this way. And they're all no. talking to this very childish oh, way. And they man. said, if you yell, it'll agitate the bulls. And I was like, well, I'm not going in to get him. I've done my little. <laughs> I've done my bar, Yeah, idiocy. I'm the comedian. Like, what's what do you think? Yeah. Did they get him out? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Still, even by the – I mean, he was pretty hammered. But by the time they got him to the edge, he was like going, what's wrong? Why you know what, though? Guys? We have a saying in Brazil, God protects babies and the drunks. So he was protected. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've made it this far. So definitely somebody looking out for oh, me. For somebody sure. else at the wheel for a few <laughs> nights. I got to tell you, this is uh, this is great. Yeah, thanks for I having really me. I really enjoyed the, the time. It was very kind of you to bring your fiance. Yeah, I thought you're going to have to look at this ugly guy for an hour. Might as well bring, you know, some something nice. <laughs> so, a bonus. A and bonus, the, the pretty lady. A pretty lady that's very kind. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. That's uh, and I can't believe you got her to go for that much of the ride with you. My lucky man, you are. Yes, sir. Think about that always. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show. Remember, uh, Liz from the Camera Store. Thank you very much for all of your help. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, you know what? I'm sure on some bad set of antennas somewhere you could probably pick us up on there too but uh we'll see you next time and once again thanks so much for being on the show thank you for having me it was a pleasure thanks